0: Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. A learn-it-all leader is someone who comes in with a beginner's mind. They don't need to be the smartest person in the world. They surround themselves with a diverse group and they challenge their beliefs to see if there's better ways to do things versus a know-it-all who has everything figured out. Mm -hmm. And like I like to say, I don't think that, I think that great leaders aren't born They're not made. They're constantly in the making. Do you want to
1: learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed. Fix the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 120. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Damon Lemby. For nearly three decades, Damon has led Learn It through the ever-changing L&D landscape, gaining insight into what works, how great leaders learn, and why Learn It All companies outpace their competition. Coming to business from a career in baseball, he brings an athlete's perspective on leadership and training to informal mentoring of executives. Damon has distilled those hard-won insights into his best-selling book, The, L- the Learn-It-All Leader, Mindset, Tools, I'm sorry, Mindset, Traits, and Tools. Damon, so glad to have you on the show today.
0: Tali, it's great to be here, and thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. And um, whatever mistakes I made, the bio is going to have it correct, so let's not worry about it. Let's dive right in. Um, totally I- I'm fine. super. I'm super intrigued, by the I'm way, because, twist. yeah, a little bit. Um, and I'm a bit under-caffeinated, if I'm being honest. But the <laughs> what's interesting to me is the learning and development I shared with you before we started recording my background in education. So I'm super excited to learn about that. I also, um, I was never a professional athlete, but I've been uh, somewhat athletic, some would say, and definitely interested in athletics for a really long time. So the tie-in there is something I'd love to dive into as well. But before we do, why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got here, specifically about Learn It, your involvement with the company.
0: Sure. So my name is Damon Lemby again, and I am I was born and raised, and I still live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I grew up, I had four, I I'm mean, also four siblings, and in high school, you know, everything was really about sports in my family, and I was lucky enough to have a great group of friends, by my sophomore year in high school, I realized that if I had a chance to play sports in college, it had to do it had to be baseball. That was what I was strongest at. So I my senior year, I was lucky enough, I got drafted by the Atlanta Braves, um, mm-hmm. dating myself a little bit here back in the, uh, 1990. And I had my first tough decision. Do I go into minor leagues or do I go uh, to college baseball? I chose college baseball, took a full scholarship to Pepperdine. And, and I did that because really it was the vision of what the coach had, you know, we're a small school. And it was really one of my first big leadership lessons was he's like, he set this moonshot vision, uh, and really inspired the team. And, but I got hurt, it dealt with a little bit of imposter syndrome. And I ended up leaving and ended up playing at Arizona State. Uh, In the College World Series, which was really exciting, hit a home run and uh, was ready to continue on in my career in baseball, um, which is the only thing I thought about for the first 21, 22 years of my life. I didn't get drafted. And here I was, kind of at the crossroads. You know, I can continue on independent route, but I was pretty depressed and, you know, it kind of hurt my identity. I was like, I've always been a baseball player. What am I going to do now? And I'm really fortunate to come from a family that uh, of entrepreneurs and also in during that time period up until about 2009, you know, we had the largest real estate, one of the largest real estate companies in San Francisco Bay Area, my dad and my grandfather. And we had everything from a mortgage company to a hotel chain to a Chinese restaurant. So I had a lot of different options to go into from a family business perspective. Um, But I, you know, I kind of lacked the confidence and i didn't know if my skills were transferable so i started off as a receptionist at this new business my dad was just starting learn it which is a corporate training a computer training company and he started it like a lot of great entrepreneurs he wanted to solve his own problem he went took a class somewhere he thought it was ineffective he thought it was boring and too long and he said there's got to be a better way to do this and so this is where he came up with the idea of learn it I was really, you know, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, uh, getting out, finishing up with school, and I wanted to start at the ground level. I started as off as a receptionist, um, you know, worked really hard, taught classes, did sales. Fast forward about seven years, uh, when the CEO wasn't working out and they were looking to change, I uh, I kind of threw my hat in a ring and um, was one of three candidates. I uh, had an advantage and um got the position. I've been here ever since and it's been about 28 years and we've we've uh, upskilled close to 1.8 million people, maybe even a little bit more. And so it's been a pretty wild and crazy journey. Um, but yeah, really that's that's how I got here and that's what learn it is. Corporate training wow. company.
1: Well, there's there's certainly a lot of lot to unpack there. Um I, I'm I'm intrigued by the, the so to speak missed opportunity um, where your where your baseball career derailed. You know you mentioned Arizona State as a kid. I used to watch the College World Series. I seem to recall Wichita State playing a lot, and maybe Arizona State, and yeah. hearing all these like ping ping, you know, of the of the metal bats and the balls flying out of the yard. Uh, so that's like my 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 minimal uh, experience with with college baseball and the College World Series. Uh, but more importantly. It's interesting because here you you had put, it seems, all of your eggs in one basket, really invested so much time and effort and assumed that your career would involve at least the next 10, 15, 20 years of it would involve professional baseball. And that didn't happen. And instead of... I mean, maybe there was a, a small element of 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 a pity party or some sulking or whatever. Those those things do happen, but you 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 quickly found a new way forward. Yes, you had certain let's call it market advantages with family and whatnot and something to step right into, but nonetheless, you did go through the process of pivoting and recognizing that option A is no longer an option. It didn't work for you, but I'm going to make something out of myself and I'm going to move this thing forward. And I think when Leaders fail. and I, i'm I'm certainly one of them. you know, I write I wrote my book, uh, becoming the new boss, largely as a result of many failures of myself in the in the realm of leadership. Um, they oftentimes don't know how to take the next step. And you were young, so maybe it's a little bit different. but maybe you can speak to this since you are dealing with a lot of leaders, you are upskilling, as you said. I don't know how much of it is personal conversations or maybe they're just taking your courses so I don't know how intimately you're getting to know these individuals, but what are you seeing specifically, because I'm I'm going to ask a question later about your own biggest mistake in all of that, but we're already here so I want to kind of take advantage of it. What do you find is the 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 characteristic, the mindset, what is the special ingredient if you will, or characteristic of the individuals who fail? or who have their uh, their doors closed in front of them, and yet make a successful pivot transition to something new and find a new way forward that really serves them?
0: That's a great question. And I kind of went through pretty much all of what you spoke about. You know, when my baseball career ended, I, uh, I had maybe my own internal p- uh, pity party, and it probably took a couple of years to get completely over it. You know, uh, a lot of the people I played with, a lot of my friends, you know, seeing them after a couple of years, getting into the big leagues and going to watch them play, it was tough. But I also said to myself, you know, I'm I'm 22 years old, 20 23 years old. You know, I have to make this work. You know what I mean? And I'm going to, uh, what I learned growing up is to be fully committed. I was fully committed. Like you said, I put all my eggs in one basket with baseball. And I said, okay, now it's time to stop feeling sorry for myself. And not live in the past, which unfortunately a lot of people do in business, or you know when they have failures, they they kind of dwell on them. And I said, you know, I'm going to just work hard. I'm going to outwork everybody, and I'm going to uh, do what I do next and be successful with it. And I'm not saying you need to stay at an organization 28 years like I haven't learned it. I mean that's that's pretty rare, actually. You know, I have I have other side, um, you know, things that I help out with, but I think the important thing getting back to your question about how do leaders learn how to handle failure and move on is you gotta first be self-aware and understand that you know don't play the victim role see what you if there's anything you could have done better you know learn from what you've you've done because there's always learning lessons in there that you can and that's what my whole book about really is what i learned playing baseball and through my my father uh, that I incorporated, which I never thought I would in my business and leadership career moving forward. And so um, I think it's it's okay to fail. We've all failed. It's taking those failures and pivoting and uh, just keep moving forward and um, give yourself the grace or the space to deal with it and
1: and go forward. Love it. So I'm going to ask a question. I hope it's not overly invasive, but it's something that's sort of in my mind because Tony Robbins, for example, will often talk about, you know, the famous um famous explorer. I'd like I'm trying to remember which one it was now that 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 burned the boats. Yeah. You know, went down, I think, to conquer the Incas, burned the yeah. boats, and basically told his people, told his yeah. people, you know, fight, fight or die. And ultimately yeah. that's how they overcame the the massive uh, th- threat or challenge that was in front of them. And so the idea is not to have a plan B because right. the moment you have a plan B, your mind already takes the the the, ga- the foot off the gas and says, I don't really have to make plan A work because I have this backup plan. So here I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to imagine now, I'm a father of of, of of kids who are already either into their careers or preparing for their careers. And I'm just imagining if I'm your dad, and again, the reason I said invasive is because I don't want to sit here and have a conversation judging anybody's father or grandfather, but you indicated that you had family businesses and whatnot. And I'm just wondering from an advisory standpoint, were you advised to go all in on this baseball path? This is your passion, follow your passion. This is what you're good at. And kind of uh, the assumption was you would you would succeed or was there this pressure for you to learn entrepreneurship, for you to get familiar with the family businesses, this kind of thing, saying, well, what happens if there's an injury? Or what happens if you're not as good as, 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 as you needed to ultimately be? I'm just curious what that conversation looked like and whether or not when you were playing baseball, did you actually have a plan B, or were you fully, did you in fact burn your boat, so to speak, go all in on baseball, and that was going to be it?
0: So to start with the last question, I burned my boat, and that was going to be it. That's 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 all I th- pretty much thought about. Um, now the question about my father, my family, they were really supportive. You know, you see some of these some of these uh, individuals, uh, people I played with, their parents really pushed them into it, and they said like, "You have to do this. You have to be a baseball player, or you, or you have to go to law school, or whatever it is." For me, is they were supportive. You know, they were excited by it, but they were supportive. And when I, after my senior year, when I didn't get drafted and I had an opportunity to play independent ball and I was kind of depressed, I mean, I kind of got into it with my dad. He really wanted me to uh, see it through the whole, the whole thing, right? See baseball uh, through because I put so much effort into it. And he said, "You, you, you know, you have the rest of your life Um, to, to work for our family or, or go find a career that you want to. So there wasn't really any pressure and there was more pressure to try to continue on with baseball, uh, which, you know, we had some tough conversations, but I was just kind of, at that point, I was kind of over it um, and felt like that uh, independent ball was probably, you know, just a a, a distraction for a couple of years. And then that's where I kind of dove in head first uh, in my, business career, but I really wanted to start at the bottom and in a smaller business. Cause I was a little intimidated. Like I said, I was intimidated. I didn't know if these skills were transferable. And I was started at this company. I was a couple of weeks old or a week old and um, put all my energy into that. And I used it as a great, great learning opportunity, but it was really fortunate, especially for those parents out there who are listening. You know, I get a lot of parents that come to me all the time and say, Hey, I want my kid to be a uh, D one baseball player. Like you get a scholarship and do this and do that. And they have them in all these special coaches, you know, and these coaches telling them their kids are fantastic and they're playing one sport year round. And I'm totally against that. I'm all about being more of a generalist. Let the kid play. Let the, let your children play multiple sports. Let them learn how to play different instruments. Let them, Choose their path and try different things and experiment instead of trying to pigeonhole into one thing, because, and this goes for I think work and leadership too. If you do just focus in and only uh, like I played all kinds of sports growing up, you don't. These kids can uh, burn out early, and so it's good to explore and experiment.
1: Okay, I hear that. So I have a question for you related to something you said earlier and it and and you you talked about how you know when you when you had that crossroads moment not being drafted took a little bit of time but eventually you 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 decided in your mind that baseball was no longer going to be your path and then you had to figure out your next steps what what advice do you give to leaders or um what would you minimally what do you think about the question of when you see people are struggling that, yes, you could upskill further. Yes, you could take some courses. Yes, you could do X, Y, Z. But sometimes people may not be cut out for their current role or for their industry or something similar. Do you have any particular method or approach for whether failing fast on one side slash forward or um, or really cutting loose from the path that you were on and and and, and redirecting? Because you're recognizing that you're really not on the right path to begin with,
0: so how I look at it is, you know some sometimes you have to take a job because you got to pay the bills that that's okay. I mean, that's that that happens. But what you should really look for is finding a career that you're passionate about, that you're excited about, and that you're strong in, you know, and that you can that you can grow and evolve. And so my thoughts to like, and I tell I've always told, individuals either that we coach as clients or people who work at learn it is if you get up in the morning and you're coming to the office or turning on zoom these days and you're not excited about what you're doing then you need to go have a conversation uh do do a little self-reflection and think about first of all start off with uh what is it that i don't enjoy about my job am i not growing am i not learning am i not challenged Am I not supported by my manager? Which is, you know, uh, happens quite a bit. And then once you figure out what that is, then maybe go have a conversation with your manager or somebody and see if there is a way to help point you towards your strengths and maybe even a different position if you enjoy the company and the values that, that are in the company. I had a, a story, somebody I mentor, they work for this uh, kind of startup real estate company That And he really believed in the vision of the company and what they were doing, but he didn't enjoy working for his boss. He said the the, the boss was never around, wasn't supportive. So instead, he went to HR and said, uh, he had a conversation with his boss in HR. I was like, I really enjoy what we do here. I believe in our purpose, but I want to go into a different role, which he did. And he's still there three years later. Mm -hmm. So um, I think you just kind of stand up for yourself and look at what the different opportunities are and what your strengths are and try to pivot in that direction. Now, if you're a new leader, let's say, or you're thrown into a position and you're dealing with uh, self-doubt or imposter syndrome, that's a whole different situation. And what I've done uh, over the years and, and what I've learned myself in dealing with imposter syndrome is really, let's say you're promoted to a new position. You're not sure you belong. Uh, What I say first and foremost is if somebody promoted you, that means they believe that you can do well in this position. So you need to believe in yourself. And my three-step approach in dealing with imposter syndrome is number one is to work hard, you know, put in the effort. I'm not saying work 10 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week, but I'm saying, you know, put in the effort, be consistent with what you do. Step number two is focus, have deliberate practice, focus on the areas that you're concerned with in your whether if 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 it's how to give a presentation or be better at uh, delivering you know a tough conversation, focus on that when you do it. And number three, so it's it's you know work hard, focus. and number three is. When it's game time, you know, learn and let go. Don't, you know, know that you've you've put in the you've put in the preparation, you've done everything to get you to the point. And then when it's game time and you're going into that presentation, that conversation or that whatever it is, then just kind of don't worry about all the techniques you worked on. Just do your very best because you've know you've put in the effort and let go and don't be too hard on yourself and learn. If it goes well, great. What can I, what I, what can I do even better next time? If something didn't go the way you wanted it to, try to address that and try to look at all these opportunities as a learning lesson. Um, but don't be too hard on yourself.
1: Yeah, I love it. There's so much to unpack there. Uh, The not hard on yourself is something that resonates with me for a variety of reasons. I mentioned the failed leadership piece, not that it was a full failure, there was a lot of positives, but at the end of the day, it didn't, didn't end the way I would have wanted it to. So let's call it a failure. Um, But even, but even recently, you know, I do a lot of coaching and usually, usually the results are very positive. Um, Very recently though, there was an, there was an interaction with somebody. He wasn't, he didn't hire me, his boss did. And there was something about our interaction that bothered him and 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 did so in a way where it felt like all of a sudden the tables were being turned Not that I was being accusatory of him or anything, but I was there to to open his eyes to certain things. And he was like pointing out all my all my deficits, let's call it, or at least perceived deficits. And so that put me, you know, on the defensive a little And I started to think to myself, well, am I slacking off a little bit with him? What did I do wrong? Could I have done something different? And the answer is there's definitely areas for improvement. But my point is, I didn't want to wallow in it because I felt like at the end of it, I am good at what I do. There are going to be times where I don't do as well as I do in other situations, or it might be a, a chemistry issue or other factors, but I'm not going to harp on it because if I do, number one, I won't be able to help him moving forward. And number two, it's going to undermine my capacity to help others as well. And so I think that those are important. And I'm I, there was one other thing that you mentioned that I have a question about, just as you're talking about learn it and the trainings you're providing and the areas that people are looking to grow in, just out of curiosity, what are the most popular areas? Do they tend to be more technical? Do they tend to be more transferable or soft? And what specifically would you say most either leaders or aspiring leaders really want to learn and become better at?
0: For us and how we work and help our customers, we work with a lot of Ah, uh, individual contributors through mid-level managers is really our sweet spot, and I would say, well, you know, during the pandemic, uh, it was really how do you help individuals move to a fully remote environment, and how as a leader do you do you lead and and keep people engaged, you know, how, uh, socially, you know, communication and and breakdown silos that are now really uh, intensified by working remotely, and then when when things started opening up. We went. Then it was like, okay, back to the hybrid. So some people are in the in the office, some people aren't. So it was, you know, adapting to that. I would say so. The most skills that we're we're really focusing on right now with our customers are how to be adaptable, uh, how to become a better manager as a first time manager, and a lot of that has to do with you know emotional intelligence, being self aware yourself. And um, being able to create, to communicate clearly and and have a purpose and a vision for your team. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and all that falls into like coaching, you know, coaching your team, running one-on-ones. Th- those are really the critical points that we're seeing most of our customers need assistance
1: on. And I know people have asked me this, so I'm curious to get your take. What is the right balance when you aren't it's one thing when you're in the same the same workspace and you're a cubicle apart, or you know you've got an office and you can walk down the hallway, see what your team is up to. It's another thing completely when every interaction requires logging in and the only seeing them from the shoulders up for the most part. It's a totally different type of interaction. Certainly it, it can potentially compromise not only your capacity to see what people are doing, but that interconnection. Uh, What has been your advice or or process to help people who have to manage a remote team or a quasi-remote team to manage properly without feeling like they're micromanaging or being overly invasive?
0: Great question. I think it's important as a leader to, like I said, to set clear direction, but also and provide the outcomes of what you're looking for for your team. But you have to be able to give them the space and trust them to be able to do the work, and um, and be there as su- be there as support, and be available for them if they need your support, but not jump in and overly micromanage and be too involved with what's going on, um, if unless they they want your help in that area. I also think it's important. I, I try to and I recommend this to our uh, customers too. Is I try to make it a habit of checking in with three or four of the individuals, we have about 70, 80 people who work at Learn It. and I just kind of want to get curious and see how things are going with them in general, right? You know, outside of work, because what happens outside of work can affect uh, you in work. And so just taking the time, having conversations with uh, individuals, and really listening it, is helpful. And I think that if you're in a hybrid environment, one thing that I think is very difficult is to um be uh not give the the people who are within your range you know that you see at the cubicle next to you more attention than the ones who are remote you know i think especially if if they're in the same positions you know you want to you want to be fair to everybody uh so i think that that's cuz you you kind of tend to lean towards who's in your vicinity you know yeah. let me ask you this question though and this is something i talk to a lot of people in your position or my position do you think it's going to be a challenge for future leaders uh, who have never had the opportunity to work in person to be, I mean, how are they going to gain those leadership skills if a hundred percent of their career is remote?
1: So uh, it's a great question. It's actually turned the tables on me, which is nice. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know the answer, but I do think that, uh, you know, I I would say the overwhelming majority of the, of the managerial skills are if not exactly the same, very very similar. The main difference, of course, is the the, the touch points, the frequency, the means by which people interact with one another. Um, I have seen personally a, a much greater trend to return to the office at least a few days a week. Um, I don't know how it is in California, but where we are up in Jersey, I think most companies, even those in New York, in Manhattan, where you know uh, a lot of people have have given up their rents and and sort of left the office. Um, even larger corporations where COVID stayed for a much longer period of time, eventually the companies did require people to come back. So I'm not sure that I see it as being a permanent change, but I do think that, um, like you said before, the added awareness is 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 critical because... You can read. What's interesting is when it comes to communication, most of the communication that we engage in is not verbally expressed. In other words, it's not our words. It's our tone. It's our inflection. It's our, it's our body positioning, our posture, all of those things. And a lot of it is hard to read over zoom. You can't see it in the same way. And again, when I hop on a zoom call, I'm kind of like, it's almost like a, like as a former school leader, it's almost like a teacher, who who is told in advance that the principal is going to come and do an observation, as opposed to the teacher for whom the the principal just walks in and does a walkthrough. The second one is much more spontaneous and gives you a clear sense of what really is going on. Whereas the first one, the teacher might be floating half the time, but all of a sudden shows up in a serious way because they're prepared. So you do want to create enough touch points where there's spontaneity and you could really experience it in, in the moment. And simultaneously, like you said, get to know people on a deeper level. So you you have that balance between the deep dives and the the regular touch points. Trust is important. There's certainly a lot a lot to unpack. I actually have um, one last question for you before I do my final you know standard question of the segment, and that is tell us about your book. You know, I want to hear what what who you wrote it for. You know, at, at its core, what it's about, and uh, and what motivated you to write a book.
0: Sure. So this is my book right here. So you go, the Learn It All Leader. And I my book is about it's my approach to leadership. It's my spin on leadership. And it's uh it's broken into two segments. It's the being, which is the mindset, and the doing. Um, and I think it's pretty practical. And I wrote it really first and foremost because you know, I like helping people. I've always liked to help people. And I, and I take, um, what I've been able to accomplish over the years with the failures and successes. And I feel like if I can do it, there, a lot of other people can do it. And my approach in this book, the four traits that I talk about are humility, curiosity, integrity, and having courage, having courage. What I mean is stepping out of your comfort zone and learning things and and pushing yourself. And, um, Really, I am kind of model it, like I mentioned before, after what I've learned from playing for uh, multiple three Hall of Fame baseball coaches, and then uh, and I modeled my leadership style after them and my father. And so the other, so I wrote it for people I could help, especially new leaders, but also really my definition of a leader, let's take one step back. It's not, you don't have to manage a team of two, 50 or a thousand. We're all leaders. We all have the ability and it starts with self leadership, which I think is very, very important. And um, so I, I kind of want to make sure that that's clear. Now, I also the second reason I wrote this book is because uh, you know my my father, uh, who was like my idol, passed away in twenty ten of, of cancer, and I got two little kids, a six year old and a two year old, and I really wanted them to understand the legacy and of what uh, my father and my mom. My mom's still alive, and both of them were such supportive, great parents. And look at the difference and the impact that we've been able to make through Learn It um, over the years. And, I, and this is something that I think that can help them understand that better. So that, those are really the reasons why I wrote the book. And um, like I said, I think it's pretty practical with actionable uh, areas that people can take. And like I talked about the imposter syndrome, that, you know, little tools that you can take and, and immediately put into to work.
1: Nice. Could you give me a very succinct definition of a learn-it-all leader?
0: A learn-it-all leader is someone who comes in with a beginner's mind. They don't need to be the smartest person in the world. They surround themselves with a diverse group, and they challenge their beliefs to see if there's better ways to do things versus a know-it-all who has everything figured out. Mm -hmm. And like I like to say, I don't think that I think that great leaders aren't born; they're not made; they're constantly in the making; they're constantly mm. learning how to evolve.
1: Mm, nice. Okay, you may have already answered this, but I didn't ask it explicitly, so I'm going to do it now. Share with us, please, uh, your biggest failure uh, and 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 how you've grown from it.
0: Well, my biggest failure, I would say, going back 20 years, is we over we really overexpanded and you know, this was right around the the dot com days. And I, you know, I was a 26 year old CEO and I'm like, I got this all figured out. And so we opened up other locations, even against uh, other people's people said, Hey, you know, go slow, go slow. We overexpanded and I was lucky to have my family to help uh, support us through that. And otherwise we would have been out. But what I, what I learned are a couple of things is never give up. You need to keep pushing forward but there's something i talk about in my book called purposeful awfulizing which is when you have a very you know important tough decision don't look at just the present and you know everything rosy think about things a year or two out and try to really understand what is the worst case scenario if i make this decision what is the worst case scenario and if that worst case scenario happens can we survive it and if you can't, then you got to go back to the drawing board, take a step back and figure something else out. That's so that's a really, really great that is really, really, really what uh, I learned from, you know, almost a catastrophic mistake at at the very beginning.
1: Wow. Wow. Okay. So we're now going to transition to the rapid fire where the answers are short and sweet. A historical wow. figure you'd love to have lunch with
0: Winston Churchill.
1: Nice. A skill that every leader must develop. Listening. Mm, Good one. A quote that you think about often.
0: Okay, I'm going to butcher this, but it's by Gandhi. And it's live like today is your last day and learn like you're going to live
1: forever. That's an important Mm. one. Nice. I'm not familiar with that. That's certainly a good one to me. A tip to stay calm and focused.
0: Don't overreact.
1: And then finally, a productivity tip that helps you to get more done.
0: I wouldn't say it helps me get more done. It helps me get better, you know, more important stuff done is I have what I call the big three where I focus on what are the main things I have for the month, quarter, and then the day. And I focus on getting those done first.
1: Nice. Eat that frog. Okay. Eat that frog. So so how can people connect with you? How could they learn more about you, your company, take advantage of all the good stuff you're doing? And of course, find your book. You
0: could find my book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I really think that the best thing to do is if you want, connect with me on LinkedIn, pretty active mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, and at Damon Lemby. And you can look at our website we for our corporate training, uh, virtual corporate training, which is learnit.com.
1: You know, I I realize now that I, I wrote an extra rapid fire down but i didn't include it in my list on the actual no, screen that i was looking at the most famous teammate or coach you've ever had the most that most famous. people the one the one that most people would recognize most famous teammate because i think you said three coaches were hall of famers
0: yes well i could tell you i never played with this person but i was good friends with them for for two years was barry bonds the oh,
1: uh i recognize that name
0: recognize that name and uh the most famous teammate I had in a summertime was a gentleman by the name of Nomar Garcia Para,
1: mm.
0: who was a big time shortstop uh phenomenal player played mm-hmm. with him in the Cape Cod League um a long time ago great question wow,
1: okay awesome so Damon you've shared a lot you obviously have a lot of experience wisdom um, to, to, to share with all of us. And I really hope people do check you out and get your book and all of that. Leave us please with one final life lesson with which to wrap up our episode.
0: My final life lessons wrap up our episodes. I would say that we all deal with self doubt and that's okay. Um, but push through it, give yourself more credit than you, you tend to do you know, fire your inner critic and just go for it, have fun with it. And you'll be surprised at the results that come and successes you'll have, but you will never know unless you you try and you move
1: forward. Powerful. All right, Damon, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on to Lead to Succeed. I've learned a lot um, and uh, really ties into a lot that I'm doing. So I think I benefited tremendously and I'm sure everybody who listens will benefit as well. Best of luck, continued success with all that you do keep teaching, keep learning, keep inspiring. And, uh, and thank you again for being with us today.
0: It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen.